0: So we have been in this series called Modern Family and talking about some of the family dynamics we deal with today. Last week, we talked about marriage and how marriage can be messy, messy, right? It can be messy. And some of you are like, oh, I know. That's why we were at church in the first place. Now, so because, because uh, I want to really drive this point home, I wanted you to meet my wife. If you haven't met her, this is my wife, Pastor Amy Visconti. Good
1: morning.
0: She is a legend, and she makes everything I do look better. She makes me seem smarter. She makes me sound nicer. I just love it when people meet her because they're like, oh, Ryan, you can't be that bad if she married you. Like, and I'll tell you what, it was not easy convincing her to marry me. She's way too good for me, Um, but we had a whirlwind romance, and I was like trying to convince her I was good enough that I and i wasn't but i was trying to convince her that it was worthwhile you know i took a i took a note from a movie i saw one time i said i can show you the world <laughs> shining shimmering splendid tell me princess now when did you last let your heart decide
1: it works both sides indescribable feeling soaring, tumbling, freewheeling through an endless diamond sky a whole new new world
0: world. don't you dare close your eyes stop, stop that's what our our, house is
1: like every day,
0: it's our life in a nutshell
1: every day, just
0: living a musical but it's, uh, you know, it's not always all romance and, and Disney movie songs in our home. Like anybody, you know, we have conflicts like everybody. Uh, sometimes people think that maybe because I'm a pastor, you know, Amy's a pastor, that we just have like a perfect uh, life and marriage. It's <laughs> It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's pretty great, but like, like we had been married just a short amount of time, and I remember we started this project together. We were going to put wallpaper up in our house together. We never had done wallpaper before, and this is when I realized for the first time that my wife is actually a sinner, too, because... <laughs> it
1: was a good idea in theory, okay? Yeah.
0: We didn't know what we were getting into, trying to hang this wallpaper. Uh, We started getting really irritated with each other. It's like we weren't cooperating. the way
1: I wanted to do it was obviously better. Yeah. So
0: So you see what I'm dealing with here. (laughs) And uh, normally when I start getting frustrated, she's the one that kind of calms the situation down. And she's like the godly one in the relationship. But this time... She wasn't taking my sass. She just started giving it right back to me, you know? And I was like, oh, this is strange. We're actually fighting now. Um, So like anyone, you know, marriage has its ups. It has its downs. It's good. It's messy. And last week, I gave you this homework. Maybe you were here this last week. Maybe you weren't. But here's the homework. To go out with your spouse and ask this question. What can I start doing, stop doing, or do better to improve our relationship. How many of you did your homework?
1: Nobody. Awesome.
0: You can't blame the dog for this. All right. This is just a conversation. So, I mean, those of you who, you know, love your pastor and listen to what he says, ask this question. And, uh, you know, I heard some feedback that, man, we, we talked and actually it was, it was really good. I learned so much and it gave me some insight into some things I could do better as a husband or as a wife. And, and I would encourage you, if you missed... Your homework. I'm going to give you an extension. You can go home this week and ask this question. It's better to have an awkward conversation for five minutes than to have an awkward marriage for five years, trying to figure out what you're doing wrong and why you can't get along. But just have an honest conversation and allow God to strengthen your marriage. I remember I asked my wife this question once. And would you remember what she said?
1: Yes, I do. I I said, could you maybe please possibly just kind of start picking up after yourself? A little more. A little bit more. Yeah, Because reality is actually like, your socks and underwear are everywhere. Now I'm in a messy world with you.
0: (laughs) Hold your breath, it gets better. That's like, that's what I think. No, it's so true. I mean, I... uh... I was like, dang, she's right. You know, I think I'm maybe taking her for granted a little bit. And, and she worked so hard to keep our house nice. So I was glad that, that we had that conversation. And I was proud of her for just being honest with me and just telling me, you know, what I could do. So we talked about messy marriage last week. And I believe that God wants to strengthen your marriage. No matter where it's at, it can get better. Even if it's at a really bad place, it can get better. If you'll just trust God and you'll keep following him and get him at the center of your relationship. Today, as we go forward, I want to talk about messy family. Messy family. Most of us have some kind of mess in our families. People come to church sometimes and they think that they're unique having a mess in their family, but you're not unique. Uh, Your family can be a potential blessing, but they can also be a potential burden. And they'll often feel like both, maybe at the same time. The, the closer that you get to people in your life, your family members, uh, the more that you love each other, the more those people have the ability to hurt you, to say words that sting, to cause you to be stressed and upset. And you'll shed more tears because of things that your family members do and say than what anyone else will ever do and say, right? You know, you have a coworker that'll say something, you'll just shrug it off. But if a family member says it, you know, you'll, you'll lose sleep at night and, and be stressed out. And now some people have mess in their family because of immaturity in their relationship. Maybe they're not being loving towards one another. Um, maybe they are uh, not being really kind or considerate of each other. And we all know that we're supposed to be selfless and considerate and uh, love one another well. But a lot of times, the problems in our relationship, or in our families rather, our families because we face circumstances that are difficult and stressful. Circumstances that every family faces that can cause anxiety and fear and anger. And I want you to think about that, that, that we face circumstances. We can't always control what circumstances we face But we can't control how we react to those circumstances. And that's what will make a huge difference in your family life. It'll help you turn mess into something that God can work through and bring peace into. And last week we talked about how Joseph and Mary had mess in their marriage. But I want you to understand they also had mess in their family. So we're going to look at some of the situations that they found themselves in. And we'll see how through this Christmas story account, there's things that we can take away from this for our own families. Luke chapter two, verse seven, talking about the birth of Jesus. It says this, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Now, how many of you know that when Mary was a little girl planning um, her life, she probably wasn't planning to have herself become pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit, you know? So here's Mary already dealing with uh, unplanned pregnancy. Uh, That was God's plan that he would cause her to become pregnant with his son. And uh, I'm sure that was enough to, to deal with on its own. But then on top of that, now she's giving birth to this baby and she's trying to find a place to give birth and she can't, there's no room, there's no room. And, and it wasn't necessarily like an inn, like a hotel. A better translation is it's a guest room. There was no guest room space available for them. So here they are in somebody's entryway, somebody's family room, trying to have a baby and I'm sure that that was not how Mary planned her birth, right? A lot of moms today have a birth plan. Did you know about this? Like where they plan uh, what, what kind of atmosphere they want to have their baby in. Like they'll plan mood lighting and, and mood music to create a peaceful atmosphere. Like what's your birth plan? And then you have like uh, the hippie moms want to have like a home birth, you know? <laughs> You know, we got all this modern medicine, the miracle, the the marvel of modern medicine, the hospitals, surgeons standing by, no thanks, I'll have my baby in the bathtub (laughs) at home. (laughs) You know, so here's Mary, she's probably not really planning on having a home birth like this, but here she is having this baby in someone else's house, laying the baby down in a feeding trough. And I'm sure that was not the way she planned it. Some of you probably are coming to the end of this year and would say, yeah, you had plans for your family that didn't quite pan out the way that you thought they would. Maybe you didn't get a job you thought you would. Maybe you lost a job you thought you would have. Uh, Some of you didn't finish school on time like you thought you would. Some of you uh, didn't lose the weight you wanted to lose this year. Or maybe you thought you were going to meet the one in 2017. Your eHarmony profile was ready to go, but it just didn't happen. So I I need to encourage you in this. Don't let messed up plans mess with your joy.
1: Yeah, because we all know that life does not always go according to plan, does it? It doesn't. Oh, plans. That's a good idea, isn't it? How many of you have the plan to have the perfect family Christmas Yes, you want to have the perfect family. Come on, ladies. We all want the perfect family Christmas. We've been dreaming about it every single year. It's like, well, last year didn't work out because the turkey was burnt. But this year, it's going to be the perfect family Christmas. We wrap the presents. We stay up late. We get the gifts from Santa. But it seems like every single year, either the food is ruined or the kids are hysterically crying or something beyond our control because... Life does not always go as planned. Our plans pretty much never work out the way we think the they are going to, do we? And this isn't a new phenomenon, okay? This is something that has been happening for ages because it's in the Bible. So it says in James 4, 13 through 15, look here, you who say, today or tomorrow we are going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. Now I'm just gonna stop here for a second because how many of you, you've done Done this by the time you were 15, you had your whole life planned out. <laughs> I did by the time I was 16. I had decided that I was going to get married by the time I was 23, I was going to have 2.5 kids by the time I was 28, and I was going to live in a house with a really big blue door. Do you know how many of those things came true in my life? Zero,
0: not even one out of three,
1: not even one out of three. None of those things happened. And we continue to read here in verse 14, it says, How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? It's a really great question. Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Now, this verse isn't meant to crush our dreams of fairy tales or even to tell us that we shouldn't make any plans but it's God's practical warning to us mm. that life is not going to play out the way that we want it to. That's right. And Proverbs 19:21 says, "You can make plans. you can, but the Lord's purpose will prevail." Amen. That's and good. this morning, I want to ask you a question. What is more important to you? What's more important? your plans? or God's purpose. Because when our plans are more important to us, when that is the most important thing that is driving our decisions, we will be constantly filled with disappointment and overwhelming frustration and unnecessary stress, when our plans are the most important thing. But when our priorities are in the right order, And God's purpose being fulfilled in and through our lives are the most important thing to us. We can live our life Mm. every day with constant joy, unwavering peace, and the confidence knowing that God, the creator of the universe, the creator of your life, is in control. That's good. Amen. Because God, being in control of our life, Is way better than any of our plans working out.
0: That's so true.
1: Every time, God being in control is better. But sometimes you might find yourself saying, okay, I feel like I am in God's purpose. I feel like his purpose being fulfilled in my life is the most important thing. But why is there so much suffering in my life? Mm. Why what I'm going through, why is it so difficult? Why is this current situation just so sucky? Mm. (laughs) You've ever been there? You don't understand what's happening? You don't understand why you have to walk through this certain journey? when we go through struggles when we go through difficult situations when we go through things that we don't understand it makes us stronger and when we're on the other side of those journeys we can look back and know we're stronger now and we can be prepared for more responsibility And when we have more responsibility that God has placed in in our hands and in our life, we can make a bigger impact for his kingdom. See, it's okay to dream big. It's even okay to make plans. But we have to live life open-handed. Because when we're holding on so tightly to our plans and the way we want things to work out, there's no room for God's purpose. But when we live life open-handed, we can say, I know where I'm going, but God knows how I'm going to get there. That's good. We just have to trust him. Let's look
0: at Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. Now, Jesus had been born. It says, now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. So here we see that once again, an angel appears to Joseph in a dream. Now, there's a pattern developing. Every time an angel appears to Joseph, it's not good news, right? First, it's like, hey, surprise, Dad. <laughs> You're going to have a baby, and he's not yours. And now it's um, that your uh, life is in danger, that the king of your nation, the most powerful man in this region, wants to kill Your son. So you need to flee. You need to run away. I mean, this would have been a terrible, terrible feeling for Joseph. Right. I mean, to think as a husband, I want to protect my family. But this this is messed up. This king is trying to kill my son. Messed up people sometimes mess with your family. Right. And they'll threaten your family's well-being and their safety and security. And that can be really scary because every man wants to protect his family. Amen. Right, man. Uh, you want to protect your family, uh, but sometimes it feels like the whole system is working against you. sometimes it feels like the whole world is working against you, and you can feel helpless. So I want to encourage you don 't let messed up people mess with your security. all right you can you can be a protector. God designed us as men to protect and defend our families and there 's times when there will be a threat against your family that's more than you can handle. You can have all the handguns in your house in the world. This is Arizona, we have guns and we like guns here. So if you're from out of state, welcome. Welcome to the Wild West, (laughs) right? We're not afraid. We're not afraid to admit it. But you can have all all the firearms in the world, but there can be threats that you face uh, that you're not equipped to deal with. There can be uh, threats against you and your family and your well-being and your safety and security that is too much for you to handle. And it's a helpless feeling. It's a helpless feeling. And as a guy who wants to protect your family, provide for your family, the worst feeling in the world is to feel like you have no control over a situation. Isn't it? When you feel helpless to do anything, we want to fix things as guys when there's a problem. I want to fix it. I want to make it better. But when you can't fix it, it is a terrible, terrible feeling. And so you need to hear this encouragement from the Lord in Exodus 14. It says this, the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Just stay calm. This means God can protect your family better than you can. Amen? Amen. Right, men? God can protect your family better than you can. And he's encouraging you. The Lord will fight for you. Stay calm and carry on. Follow him where he leads you. Think about what Joseph was dealing with. He had no way to defend against this threat that his family was facing. The king wanted to kill his son. All he could do was follow God's instruction. God said, flee to Egypt. He said, all right, I'm fleeing to Egypt. That's all he could do was follow God where God led him. And that's all we can do sometimes. We can't always deal with the threats that we face. We can't always fix our situation. All we can do sometimes is just follow God and trust him to lead us to the place where we need to go.
1: And I can't even imagine how Mary would felt in this situation. She just had her first child. They're constantly moving around and have chaos happening all around them. They were being hunted by somebody who wanted to kill her child. Mm. And this must have been so difficult for her because as women, we long for a place of safety. Mm -hmm. We long to be secure. And everything around Mary and her life situation at this point was the opposite of that. It's true. So she's walking through this journey. And sometimes our life is also unstable, isn't it?
0: Yep.
1: Because people...
0: Yeah, because people.
1: Because people are unstable. And yeah. sometimes we cannot control the situations that are happening around us. Mm. We cannot control what other people do and what they don't do. Mm. But even in these moments of feeling unsafe or feeling insecure, we have to find our security in our god who never changes yes. who doesn't change with the circumstance come on who doesn't change in situations but is constant yes. his characteristics and promises remain true no matter what amen so when the world around us feels like chaos when the people around us are causing chaos or or causing situations that maybe even seem unbearable, we can know and trust that God is in control. And we have to find our safety and our security in him alone.
0: Amen. So good. Hashtag woman preacher. (laughs) You can't stop it. You can't deny it. Luke chapter 2, verse 43 says, After the festival was over while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? So now baby Jesus grows into young boy Jesus. He's 12 years old. His parents have been in Jerusalem The festivities that were taking place. Now they were going home. They traveled for a whole day away from Jerusalem. They stopped for the night to set up camp. And Mary's like, "Uh, "Joseph, where's your son? Oh, he's out playing with his friends. I think they're playing tag back behind the wagons over there. Uh, He's not here. We've looked for him everywhere. It turns out uh, he wasn't there. So they go back to the city." Uh, The largest city, mind you, in the region, Jerusalem. They search for their son for three days. Could you imagine looking for your 12-year-old in the largest city in the region for three days and you can't find him? How many of you would have just had a total panic attack as a parent, right? Some of you helicopter moms couldn't have gone three minutes. I'm just saying. I'm not judging you. I'm just saying, honestly, okay? You can imagine how much panic Mary would have felt, right? How much panic Joseph would have felt not being able to find their son. And then ultimately they find him sitting in the temple courts. Here he is with the priest's. And the teachers of the law, and they're having conversations, they're they're asking questions of one another, they're studying the scriptures, like Jesus is there, a little 12-year-old theological Doogie Houser, having conversations with the priests. Of course, that's where he is, of course. And he says, you know, didn't you know I would be here? Um, One one translation has him saying, didn't you know I would be going about my father's business? And I think of Joseph. If I was Joseph, I would have been like, boy, I'm going to give you the business. (laughs) I'm taking my belt off right now. Right? Like I know Jesus never sinned theologically, but I think this is as close as he got. Right? <laughs> you know like and I'm thinking to myself, what if I unjustly spanked Jesus? as his dad? Like, what if I was Joseph and I started whipping him, the son of God? Like, would God the Father strike me dead with a lightning bolt if I did that? I just started playing this scenario out in my brain. Like, what if one of the sins Jesus died for on the cross was the time I spanked him as his dad unjustly? Like, that's just what my brain went to, okay? So, One of the now now Jesus, you know, he was he was God and he was perfect. But you see how his parents also dealt with mess because of their their kids. And a lot of us in families, you deal with messed up kids. You have messy kids in your family. Let's just admit it. um, Sometimes those precious little snowflakes grow up into a hot dumpster fire. Okay. And it's a handful, it's hard to deal with. A lot of you are dealing with awkward family dynamics. You got awkward family holiday dinners going on, mixed families coming together. You're dealing with exes and stepkids and stepparents. And, and I want you to be encouraged by this. Joseph was a stepfather, right? Think about that. He was raising God the Father's son. That's a lot to live up to, right? That's a big task. And so it can be difficult at times. It's difficult sometimes to raise kids the way you want to. Sometimes your kids don't cooperate. But I want to encourage you, don't let messed up kids mess with your sanity. It can drive you crazy, right? You want the best for them. But you can't let messed up kids mess with your sanity. You can do everything right as a parent and have nothing go right with your kids. But I want to encourage you, don't panic. I mean, I know that you love your kids. Parents love their kids so much and you'll lose sleep over your kids and their struggles. But you have to remember, sometimes God has to allow us to mess our lives up and come to a place of brokenness before we'll surrender our lives to him. How many of you remember, it wasn't until you jacked your life up That you finally said, okay, God, I'll surrender my life to you. I've messed it up beyond repair. I'm ready to let you be in control. And God sometimes lets some people mess their lives up because he's merciful and he wants to allow that person to come to the end of themselves and come to a place where they'll accept him and turn to him. So don't panic. You can't control what your kids do. You just need to hear that. You can do your part, but they're responsible for their own choices.
1: And I watched my parents actually live this. My brother, Sean, uh, started hanging out with the wrong crowd when he was very young, and he started doing drugs when he was in junior high. And just started out with pot, and it quickly escalated to really hard drugs. And it was really a difficult situation growing up with a brother who was addicted to drugs. And... My parents, I can't even imagine everything that they were feeling through this situation, but they showed us how to love him through this situation. And they created a stable home through a terrible situation where my brother, he ran away for the first time when he was 15, he was gone for a really long time I remember waking up on Christmas morning not knowing if he was dead or alive, and watching my parents not pretend like it wasn't happening or ignore the situation, but still create a stable home for the rest of the kids that were there, and create a loving environment. I remember sitting around the Christmas tree that first time he ran away. And we read the Christmas story before we opened our presents and we prayed for Sean. And it was a really defining moment in my life because I watched my parents love a child who, in my eyes, was unlovable at the moment Mm -hmm. because he was causing so much pain and heartache and destruction. He came home for a while, got clean, and you know, the cycle of a drug addict. He's been in and out of prison, on and off drugs. And it's been really difficult. And I share this story not from a stance of victory yet because my family's still in the middle of this mess. But I've watched my faithful parents pray for my brother no matter what and not let it affect every other thing in our life. And love him no matter what. And just really trust God through yeah. the situation. Yeah.
0: And sometimes you have to hear stories like that. Because often we come to church and we hear testimonies from people who are now living in victory and celebrating the miracle that God did in their life. And we're grateful for that. Yeah. But sometimes we have to be reminded that not everybody is on the other side of the mess that their family is dealing with. Right. And that even in the middle of that mess, when it's still jacked up and scary and you're afraid and you don't know what's going to happen, you can say, I know God is in control and my testimony is that I trust him, even though my situation hasn't been worked out yet. In Mark chapter three, we see that Jesus, he grows up and he begins his ministry in verse 21. It says his family heard what was happening. They tried to take him away. He's out of his mind, they said. When you think about that, here's Jesus. He starts his ministry. He is going around the community. He's preaching the gospel, and his own family is trolling him as he's going about his work. They won't even buy a ticket to his own show. They say he's out of his mind. This is his own family, mind you. Okay, Here's Jesus trying to save humanity, and his family is hating on him. And some of you I wanted to encourage because I thought about how some of you are in a situation this season where you might be the only one in your family who loves God. You might be the only one in your family who loves the Lord. You might be the only one in your relationship. Maybe some of you are married to someone who is not a believer. And every time you go to church, they give you grief. Some of you, every time you go to church, your parents give you grief or your friends make fun of you. Maybe it's a brother, a sister, and, and you're living in that reality and it's difficult. You should be encouraged In the fact that Jesus warned us that this would happen. Jesus did bring peace to earth. Through him, we receive peace when he he came to earth. But he also warned us that he also divides, in a manner of speaking, that families will be divided over him. And look at Matthew chapter 10. Here's what it says. He says, I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your own household. It's not that Jesus wants you to be divided with your family, but he's just saying that some of you, I'm going to be a dividing line in your family. Some of you are going to have to choose. Do you follow me or do you stay with them? And for some of you, you had to walk away from family in order to follow the Lord. And I want to encourage you that just because your family members don't understand what God is doing in your life, just because they don't understand who God has called you to be, don't let that stop you from being who God called you to be. Don't let that stop you from fulfilling your purpose. So I want to say it this way. Don't let messed up family mess up your mission. God's given you a mission. He's called you to bring the gospel into this world and to be a light that shines in the darkness, to serve, to love, to give, and to show people a different way. And God has your back, even if your family doesn't have your back, right? And I want to encourage you in this. Even if your family isn't supportive of your walk with God, this is your family. The church family will fill that role in your life. And the church family will be your family as much as you'll allow them to be. So I want to encourage you in that. You have to get plugged in. You have to open up. You have to get to know people and and spend time with your life group and and serve. And, And if you'll do that, the church will be your family. But I want to encourage you. God doesn't want to just save you from your family. He wants to use you to bring salvation to your family. And I know that many of you will be the first one in your family who accepts Jesus. But then there'll be others who come after that. You might be dealing with some kind of mess in your family today or going into this Christmas time. I want to encourage you, God can work a miracle in your mess. It's not over. It's not over till he says it's over. And we just got to trust him sometimes. We got to pray. Sometimes we'll pray that God will help us, and then we give up. because Well, I already prayed you know, for that. It's not working. Just keep on praying, right? Jesus talked about persistent prayers, how God hears our persistent prayers. Don't give up. Keep praying if you need God to do something in your life. So I want to take time to pray for you this morning before we continue on. As we close this message time, how many of you would say, I have a mess in my family of some sort that I'm dealing with. If you have a mess, we're going to pray for you. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet right now. Don't be embarrassed if you have something you're dealing with. Just anyone who says, man, there is a mess in my family of some sort, and I want to pray and ask God to work a miracle. Would you pray for us?
1: God, we are so thankful for who you are and that you never change and that you are always there for us. And God, I pray for every single situation that is represented by the people standing in this room. God, I pray that you would come into the middle of the situation. God, we know that you are a miracle working God. And God, we place our family members, our messed up situations, we place them in your hands. And God, we are trusting you. God, we are trusting you for our unsaved family members. We are trusting you for our messed up situations. And Lord God, I pray for the people standing in this room that they would feel an overwhelming peace. Lord, they would feel your overwhelming joy because we can have that in you no matter what is going on around us. And Lord God, we thank you in advance for the miracles that are represented by the messes in this room. Lord God, we give you all the glory and all the praise and we know, God, that you are in control and we allow you to be this morning. We worship you and we love you and we give you all the praise. And everybody said, amen, amen.